All right, today we're in week three of our series, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. And last week we looked at the words of a father who was speaking to his son. And he had some great uh, advice, some words of wisdom, and, and quite frankly, some stern warnings. Uh, he warned his son about the dangers of hanging around with the wrong crowd, right? He said, listen, don't hang around people. We'll do these kind of things. Uh, he, he said, what you should do is you should listen to sound advice. You need to listen to people who speak the truth. And then he talked about the destructive nature of greed. So uh, Solomon here speaking to his son, I think gave us some great, uh, some great words of wisdom there. But now we're still in chapter one, but now the, the, the uh, person who's speaking begins to shift. So it's no longer the, a father speaking to the son, but there's a new character that's introduced to us. Uh, it's, it's called a woman named Wisdom. So uh, she's going to play a major role throughout the book of Proverbs. So I'm going to give her a special name. Uh, it's, it's not the name given to her in the Bible, but I'm going to give it to her uh, so that you know who I'm talking about. We're going to call her Lady Wisdom, okay? So Lady Wisdom here is now speaking, and I'll talk more about her in just a moment. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Proverbs chapter number 1. You can follow along on the app if you'd like to. Proverbs 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 20. <clears throat> Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. <clears throat> then they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, God, we do want to know wisdom. God, we want truth. So Lord, I pray that in these next few moments that you would just Speak to us through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. Father, may we, may we learn, may we listen, may we glean the truth you'd have for us today. Lord, we just dedicate these next few moments unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Lady Wisdom here in our text, she doesn't mince words, does she? She's a straight shooter. Uh, I like her. I, when I picture, if I get a mental picture of who I think uh, Lady Wisdom in, I, I envision Violet Crawley from Downton Abbey, you know, the old lady, you know, or maybe if you're like uh, the old Anne of Green Gables, remember uh, uh, Marilla? You know, that's kind of who I envision here when I'm thinking of uh, Lady Wisdom. I mean, she kind of comes across as being angry, a little bit forceful. Uh, she doesn't show much mercy to those who reject her instruction. Uh, you know, especially when they find themselves in a bad spot, it says that she just laughs at them. So I think the sharp words are here because she's trying to warn these people to turn from their evil ways. She's warning them. She's trying to help them to avoid destruction. 
She's, she's basically saying, listen to me, people. The path you're on leads to destruction. Now, Lady Wisdom is an interesting character here in the book of Proverbs. She's a fictional character. She's a personification of God's wisdom. In fact, figuratively speaking, she stands for God himself. I'll, I'll explain that more when I get to Proverbs chapter 8 and 9 later this summer. But for now, understand that you know, Lady Wisdom is uh, here more, more than intellectual knowledge and street, street smart. She's actually representing uh, God himself. Now, let's, let's begin to unpack it here. Verse 20, out in, the, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. In the top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? So here we find Lady Wisdom. She's taking her message out to the public areas. She's out in the street. She's out in the public square. Why? Because that's where the people are, right? She, she's, she's out there where the people are. I think what she's saying here is that God's wisdom is available to everybody. It's not a secret society. It's not for a select group. It's open to all who will hear and respond. She gets out there amongst the people and said, listen to me. Maybe a way for you to visualize it would be to see her as a street preacher out on a busy intersection trying to convince people that the path they're on leads to destruction, but the louder she gets, the more people just walk on the other side, the more people avoid her. She's trying to get their attention. She's raising her hands, and the people are just ignoring her. Verse 23, she says, repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teaching. The word repent here it means to turn around. It means to change direction. Again, she's warning people the path you're on leads to destruction. Don't go that way. Imagine the frustration. You know, imagine you're standing on the banks of a river that's going over the Niagara Falls and you're there and you're trying to warn people, don't go this way, turn around, it leads to destruction. But the people are just, they're having fun in the boat and they're just laughing and having a good time and she's trying to get their attention, but they don't listen. You see, the noise of life was drowning out the voice of wisdom. Let me just pause and ask you a question. What noise is drowning out the voice of wisdom in your life today? What is it that's keeping you from learning, from growing, from listening to sound advice? Maybe busyness or work or school, entertainment, sports, maybe scrolling, maybe shopping, right? Listen, if you're too busy to listen to God, my friends, you're too busy. We need, to, we need to listen to God. We need to sit at the feet of wisdom. Proverbs one twenty four says, But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. A little disturbing here. I mean, you know, the text says that, you know, when disaster strikes the foolish, Lady Wisdom laughs. Is that cruel? Is it cruel for Lady Wisdom to laugh when, when uh, the wise meet their demise? 
Well, I don't think so because I don't think it's the kind of laugh that, that you do when you find a joke really, really funny. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a belly laugh of humor. I think it's more of a, <laughs> I tried to warn you. you know? I tried to tell you. I, I think it's more you know, about her shaking her head at the absurdity of the fact that these folks just won't listen. I don't think she truly gets pleasure out of seeing people destroyed. Because keep in mind, she tried to warn them. You've likely heard the phrase, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. I think that kind of gives a picture here of the essence of what is happening. She's furious because the people just simply will not listen to her even though she's speaking the truth. And she warns them. She says you're going to face four things if you continue down the path you're on. She said disaster and calamity and distress and trouble. Well, now those are four not very pleasant things, right? And yet I bet you probably know somebody in your life that those words kind of describe the path they're on. Disaster, calamity, trouble. seems like at every turn, something in her life is falling apart. Something's not going right. This relationship, that job, I lost that job. This happened financially. Everything would have worked if this would have happened, but it didn't, and now I'm here. You see, this is what happens when you ignore wisdom, when you reject God's truth, when you do what seems right in your eyes instead of obeying God's word. Solomon, later in his book, Proverbs 14, 12, says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends, but its end is the way of death. You know, there are so many people that are going down a path that seems right, but you and I both know and Lady Wisdom would tell us it ends in death. So here in the book of Proverbs, you know, Lady Wisdom is talking about four different kinds of people that we see in this passage. And I want to just describe the four that she talks about here for just a moment. The first group that she, she calls out are, are the simple, uh, or, or the simpletons. And, and, and the simple are those people who will believe anything. They're gullible. Uh, these are people who uh, are, are going, going along with the flow. Uh, they, they blend in with whomever they're around. They just follow the crowd. They go along to get along. Uh, they just believe anything. So later in Proverbs, Solomon describes them this way in verse 15 of chapter 14. He says, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. So the simple are people who are just going to be easily influenced by other people. I, I think in large, they're intellectually lazy. They're not willing to put in the effort to learn. They're, they're not trying to gain wisdom. They're just, they're just here for the ride. They're just here to go along, to just do whatever everybody else is doing. And therefore, they're easy targets. They're easy targets for get-rich-quick schemes. The simple are the ones who buy the Ginsu knives, right? You know, because it, it cut a can and a tomato, right? I mean, these things are amazing, you know? And if you happen to have the Ginsu knives, I'm sorry, you know? <laughs> Didn't mean to call you out. <clears throat> but, you know, there are people that are, they're just simple. The simple when they get to college and the college professor begins to use big words and confuse and confound them. When the professor mocks the Bible and mocks the church and makes fun of God, the simple just say, well, he's smart. You know, he must be right. And so they can easily get led astray. And then Lady Wisdom talks about another group that she calls the mockers. Uh, and the mockers prove that it's not mental capacity, but attitude. 
that determines whether we're wise or whether we're foolish. Because at the root of the mocker's character is pride that hates to submit to anyone. Um, mockers seek to debunk everything. They kind of have this smug, know-it-all mentality when they hear truth. Instead of receiving it, they joke about it. They snicker and laugh at wisdom. Their second language is sarcasm. Their mouth is always open because they love to hear themselves speak. They would do well to listen to Mark Twain. Mark Twain said this, It is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> Solomon put it this way, he said, Mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. My experience in talking with mockers is the fact that they, they do a better job of knowing what they don't believe than what they do believe. Uh, they filter out of their belief system those things that are inconvenient, those things that are uncomfortable, those things that maybe are not socially accepted in today's society. So this group has begun to, quote-unquote, deconstruct their faith, uh, and I think a better term would be demolish it. But deconstructing their faith is this process of questioning, of doubting, and then ultimately rejecting key aspects of the Christian faith. What it usually results in is replacing uncomfortable tenets of the faith, um, uh, you know, and, and just rejecting, uh, you know, things that have been true in, in, in the Word of God for years. And accepting or, or, or just being, you know, more akin to the personally and, and socially popular ideas. In other words, um, you know, if something in the Bible kind of goes against the way that society is going, we try and find a way to make it so we can water it down so it doesn't seem like sin is really all that bad and it's really okay See, that's what a mocker will do. That's not what wisdom would say to do. Mockers are known for witty one-liners. You know, they'll put their theology in a meme. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're quick to just make one little statement that casts doubt and, and just kind of make everyone that believes in God, believes in the Bible, trust in Jesus to seem like they're fools. Ultimately, they're not able to discern the truth and it's, it's sad because we know where they go. The third group of people that Lady Wisdom addresses are simply labeled the fools. And uh, if you were looking for another word to describe a fool, it would be obstinate. Um, these are people that just ignore the truth. They just plug their ears. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't want to hear what the Bible has to say. They don't want to hear what the church has to say. They're self-confident. They're opinionated. They don't like to be corrected. They don't listen. Fools are close. It's really hard to reach them. Fools are going to do things their way. They've got their way. Frank Sinatra sang the Fool's theme song. It was called My Way. You know, I'll do things my way. So, the fool's problem isn't low IQ. It isn't poor education. Their problem is a lack of spiritual desire to seek and find God's wisdom. They just don't want to hear it. They don't want to, they don't want to hear the truth. The best we can hope to do is to respond wisely 
when disaster and betrayal and illness and bereavement strikes our home. Um, we can't control these things. Fools think they can control everything, but you can't. You can't fool when death hits your door. You can't fool when sickness, uh, you, you, can't, you can't control when sickness happens in your life. Jesus kind of contrasted between the wise person and the fool in, in Matthew 7, uh, 24 in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fail because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. The fool said, nobody's going to tell me where I can build my house. I'll build my house where I want to build my house. I want to build my house by the beach. I want to build my house over here. I know, it's, I know the foundation, but that's where I want to build my house. I'm going to build it there. And ultimately, it leads to destruction. Fools think that they've got the bull by the horns, that they've got everything figured out. I like what the great theologian Mike Tyson once said. He said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> right? Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You know, fools enjoy the, their folly until disaster strikes and they get punched in the mouth. And, you know, just to be honest, it can be a little disheartening to watch the fools because it looks like they're living the dream. It looks like they're having all the fun. It looks like whatever they're doing, you know, they're living la vida loca. They, they've, you know, no restraints. They do whatever they want. It just seems like, you know, why is it that, you know, these people who don't know God, who don't do anything right, it just seems like everything's going well for them. And over here, we're, we're struggling. We put our faith in God. We're trying to be obedient to him, and yet it's, it's difficult. Well, here's the reality. The fool's path always leads to destruction. It just hasn't happened yet. Parties and pleasures and profits, you know, all of these things, you know, may happen for a season, but the end result is pain, death, and destruction. We know where their path leads. So don't envy the foolish. Thank God that you're on the wise path. There was a, there was a man that Jesus was talking to one day, and I mean, he had... He had Seemingly, life all figured out. I mean, he'd figured out how to make money. He'd figured out how to get power. I mean, if he was alive today, he probably would be driving the nicest car to the best restaurant on Fifth Avenue. Uh, when he got done with dinner, he'd probably drive into the nicest house on Gordon Drive. I mean, because he had it figured out. He, it, was all, it was all good. I mean, you know, it's just like he couldn't even figure out where to put all his money. I mean, he had so much money, he had it spread out. You know, where, where else am I going to put all this money I'm making? I'm just, I'm killing it. And Jesus said, uh, Luke 12, 19, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, oh, what God call him? You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. Listen, my friends, no amount of wealth, success, or power, or planning can insulate you from disaster, 
or death. So don't envy those who look like they've got it all figured out. If they don't know God, they're in a, they're in a dangerous path. Lady Wisdom talks to a fourth group here, and she just calls them the wise. The wise are the ones who listen. As you study the book of Proverbs, uh, that is probably one of the key phrases that you need to get. Fear of the Lord is one, and, and listen is the other. They learn to listen. Wise people listen. Proverbs 133 in the text we read, but whoever listens to me, wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. How many times have we seen people that they just won't listen because they think they know everything. They think they've got it all figured out. They, oh, I know, I've already been there, I've done that, I've read that, I know this. That's not the attitude of a, of a wise person. A wise person is always willing to learn because a wise person is always willing to listen. You've got you, you to listen. You've got to learn. You've got to read. You've got to study. In week one of our series, we learned that the fear of the Lord is the basis for wisdom and knowledge. We, we, we saw in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And true wisdom comes from a right relationship with God and an appropriate attitude towards him. And, and, and Proverbs tell us that that attitude is, is called fear. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? It, you, it means you recognize that God is always watching. That God is everywhere present. He sees everything. He sees everything you do. And you don't want to, you don't want to live in your life in such a way that you displease him or that you disappoint him. Because you're in awe of him. You recognize who God is. So fear doesn't mean you're afraid of him like you're frightened, but you recognize just how awesome God is, and you don't want to do anything that would displease him. The person who learns the fear of God in every sphere of life will be successful, but those who disregard it will fail. Fearing, God's mean, fearing God means taking God into account, being aware of his reality and his presence every day in your life, making decisions that are you know, based on what God said in, 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 in his word. But the reality is, we don't always walk in wisdom, do we? In, in fact, there are times when even after we're Christians, we disregard wisdom and do dumb stuff, right? Anybody here ever done anything dumb after you got saved? that you knew was right. Go, raise your hand. Oh, I see two hands back there. You know, put your feet down. You know, okay. <laughs> I know. You know, we know better than to do this. We say, I shouldn't do that. I, I, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't be here. And yet, here I go. Here I am. What am I doing? Because our flesh loves to do dumb stuff. And Lady Wisdom would just tell you to repent. You know, just turn around. Get off the path of destruction. Get back on track. Because here's the reality. All of us, at one point in our life, were fools. Every one of us in this room. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Titus. And, well, let's, look, let, let's just look a little bit what he said. Titus 3, 3. He says, at one time, we too... We're foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. 
But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. I love what Paul's writing here to young preacher. He said, listen, we all have a history of foolishness. We all have some chapters in the book of our life that we'd like to erase We've got some stories that, boy, we would wish that those weren't in there. Our sinful decisions led to all kinds of bad behaviors. Paul labeled them malice, envy, hatred. The list could go on. But thankfully, the kindness, the mercy, and the love of God was poured out for us. Jesus Christ came to save us. He washed away our sins. He cleansed us from our unrighteousness. He filled us with his Holy Spirit when we get saved so that we can have eternal life. Can I tell you the wisest decision you will ever make, the wisest decision you will ever make is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is no better decision you will ever make in your life. Not marry, not who you marry, not the best financial decision, not your career. The best decision you'll ever make is when you recognize the fact that you can't save yourself and you need God and you trust Jesus as your Savior. That's the, that's the wisest decision you'll ever make. And by the way, when you get saved, guess what he does? He erases the punishment from those bad chapters in your book. Amen? You don't have to worry about them anymore because they're covered. They're under the blood. You've been set free. We've all done things we're not proud of. But Jesus is willing to wipe the slate clean. If you're here today and you've never done that, maybe you're joining us online this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, my friends, it is the most important decision you will ever make. If you reject the gift of salvation, you are on a path that leads to death and destruction. Guaranteed. Solomon said it, Lady Wisdom said it, Jesus said it, Paul said it. It's the truth, it's in God's word. If there's never been a time when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, my friends, why would you wait? The most foolish thing that you could ever do is to hear the truth, be offered the opportunity to accept it, and instead say, well, I'll think about that. Let me ponder that. To have the opportunity and then to reject it. What a shame. Foolish thing to do. If you're here this morning and you've, you'd like to trust Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a few moments. Now listen, this isn't a magic prayer. The words of this prayer you won't find in the Bible. It's, just, it's between your heart and the heart of God. I'm just going to kind of help you if you'd like to receive Christ to pray this prayer. But it's really between you and God. So if you'd like to do that today, you know, I'm going to lead you in that prayer. But just before I do, Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian for a long time. Can I challenge you? Are you letting the noise of life drown out wisdom? 
Are you reading? Are, are, are you really trying to know God? Are you reading his word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you participating in the fellowship of God? Are you hanging around with people that are pointing in the right direction? My friends, it's the most, you know, you need to do this. It's the path of wisdom. It's the right thing to do. You're here this morning, and truth be known, you, you really, you, you're saved, but you can't say that you're necessarily walking in the way of wisdom. Well, then do it, lady. Wisdom said, repent, change. Get on the right path and start making good decisions. Amen? Let's pray. If you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, maybe just pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I've done so many things wrong. I've violated your word. I've broken the Ten Commandments. I've done things, thought things, gone places I shouldn't gone, done things I shouldn't do, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he was hung on a cross, and he paid for my sins on that cross. I believe that he was buried and that he rose again. He proved that he was indeed the Son of God. God, the best I know how, I'm asking you to save me, to forgive me. I'm putting my trust in Jesus today because, God, I want to walk in wisdom. I want to please you with my life. So, God, use me. Help me to learn and grow and to know you better and better so that, God, you might be pleased with my life. Thank you for saving me. And Father, for those of us who've been saved for a long time here today, we're still prone to wander. We're still prone to be drawn back to the foolish path and do things we shouldn't do. So God, I pray that today would be a day of repentance. Today would be a day when we get back on the right path, doing the right things. Because God, we want our lives to bring glory and honor to you because we fear you, God. We are in awe of you. So God, use us for your glory. Fill us with your spirit. Thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Roger and Austin to join me. As you know, Venture Church started a ministry years ago called Leadership Outreach. And we provide theological training to pastors and church leaders uh, all over the world. We're in seven countries. Uh, we have close to 20 training centers in these seven different countries. Um, uh, 80% of the people, pastors outside of the United States have no theological training. We take that theological training right to them. We take it to their communities in hard-to-reach places. We're all up and down the Amazon River. Uh, we're in Nicaragua. We're in the Dominican Republic. We're in places where there's extreme poverty. Um, uh, we, we take the training to them. Uh, we, we then build up training center leaders, make, put in national directors, and God is blessed. We, we've, we've graduated hundreds of students. We currently have over 450 students in our program, 100% funded by Venture Church. And uh, Pastor Roger and Austin are going to one of our newest countries that has just opened up for us, uh, Nicaragua. Uh, they'll be leaving on Wednesday to go down and build relationships with 
many of the pastors that are there and begin to plant uh, and lay the seeds for future training centers uh, all over uh, that very needy country. So they'll be leaving Wednesday and they'll be back five, six, seven days later. And uh, so I'm asking you this week, would you pray for Roger and Austin as they go to Nicaragua and uh, continue the work of leadership? Would you pray for them? If you, you'll pray for them this week. Would you raise your hand? Uh, amen. Thank you all so much. Just before we go, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for these men. God, as they prepare to go to Nicaragua, Lord, would you go before them? Would you prepare the path? Would you prepare the relationships and the people? God, to receive uh, the information that, we're, uh, that these gentlemen will share. Lord, just lead them to the right people. Uh, and God, would you do a mighty work this week? God, uh, give, give these gentlemen the words to say. Uh, give them discernment to know the people to work with. And uh, God, may your hand uh, of blessing be upon everything that they do. Keep them healthy. Keep them safe for the entire journey there and back and the whole time they're there. May, may transportation and, and meals and lot, may that not even be a concern. May God, you just have that all worked out so that they can focus on building relationships, teaching and doing a mighty work there. So God bless them, I pray, as they go. And uh, we'll thank you for it. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.